Glory to God. I, I'm thankful for what I feel in my spirit today. Hallelujah. Amen. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm, I'm feeling, and I, I hope there's some others. I hope there's at least one or two others um, that's picking up on this, but I, 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 I'm feeling some expectation. I believe, I believe that, uh, uh, that brother, brother Swan has been in contact with heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. And uh, I'm, I'm expecting to, to get something, amen, that, that we need. Hallelujah. Amen. To, um, as in the fellowship meeting last night, Brother Meek ministered, uh, talked about how we need some sustainability. Uh, you know, kids love to fill up on junk food. If you allow them uh, candy bars and potato chips and sugar drinks, that would be probably about it for them. But that kind of stuff is not sustainable. Amen. It, I mean, it, it's not going to sustain you. You got you got to have you got some to have something else. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll admit, cotton candy is good when I'm at the state fair. Hallelujah. But uh, my Lord, I'm not. I'm not going to get up in the morning at four o'clock and eat, eat, eat a bunch of cotton candy and get out there and try to work all day. You know, uh, Hallelujah. And um, uh, sadly, sadly, there's a lot of people sitting on church pews today. Uh, they're getting something sweet, something that melts in their mouth. But there's no sustainability to what they're getting. Hallelujah. I gotta have, I've got to have something to carry me through. So I appreciate that last night. And matter of fact, the message that I'm going to be delivering today, uh, uh, I've received a thought of something that he said last night. Uh, I picked up on it. He, he was talking about the Word of God. And he used... Uh, the word manual, and uh, that stuck in my spirit, and I couldn't get away from it. I'm holding in my hand something this morning that I treasure very dearly. Uh, I, I wouldn't take uh, 10, 20, 30 I'm serious. Somebody offered me $40,000 for cash money. I wouldn't let go of it. This is my dad's Bible. I don't pull it out very often. I used it one time since I've been here, right after it was passed on from me by my sister-in-law when she came after my brother passed away because it was in his care, uh, and he kept it. Uh, ever since my dad passed away, and she brought it, and uh, uh, she uh, presented it to me, and I keep it in my office, and uh, it's very old, and I will not uh, use it much because it is very dear to me. But I want to use it today because I'm going to tell you the purpose of this message what I hope 
to accomplish in what I'm going to be saying the next few minutes. It's not quite 12 yet, and we'll try to get in this, but if you haven't already, I feel a strong desire by the help and the grace of God. I want everybody to develop a strong love for the Word of God. What I hold in my hand is precious. What I hold in my hand, there was a time that the common ordinary man couldn't hold it in his hand. And I'll be telling you about that as I get into the message. Already it's not allowed in our nation's schools. Just very recently a young a young man was reprimanded by his teacher because they offered them some free time to read. He pulls out his Bible and begins to read. It's free time, but no. You can read anything but the Bible. It's a sad state of affairs in these United States of America. And I, there was something come over me because in the future, what I'm holding may be against the law once again. Very well possible. I'm going to be turning to a scripture for our opening text out of the book of Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Hallelujah. Hebrews, excuse me, 4th chapter and the 12th verse. Hallelujah. This is what the Word of God says, written by the composer who wrote Hebrews. I, I have my opinion who it was, as much as a lot of folks, but anyway. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Let us pray. Father gods, we come to you this day. We thank you for the privilege to be in this service. We thank you, God, for the honor to be able to come together as brothers and sisters and unite in fellowship of worship to lift up your name. Now, Lord, for the next few minutes, I want to somehow ask that you help me pass on to those that are listening the same feeling and love and devotion that I feel to your word, to everybody who's listening today, and to even those who will listen on the internet as this is recorded and posted thereon. 
Give us understanding. Give us wisdom. Help us to ever learn of your book. In the mighty name of Jesus, let the church say, God bless you. You can be seated. Hallelujah. I want to speak to you today on a subject titled, Responsible for the Manual. Responsible for the Manual. As Brother Meek said last night, very ever so briefly in this message, the Word of God to us is like a manual. It's very important. I cannot overemphasize the importance of the Word of God. The scripture that I read for the opening text said the Word of God is quick and powerful. Now, don't misinterpretate that word quick. Don't look at that and say, well, the Word of God is quick. That means, pew, it's fast, roadrunner, me, me. That's not what the word quick in this instant means. Other places in the Bible it said he's going to judge the quick and the dead at his appearing. The word quick means alive. Another place in Scripture said, Ye who are dead and trespasses of sins has he quickened together or made alive. If he will put up the Scripture again in the New King James Version, just briefly, for the Word of God is living and powerful. Amen. I'm not holding something dead here today. Even though this has got a lot of age on it and it's torn and shows the wear and many and many a sermon have been delivered from this book, this book is alive. Yes. Hallelujah. Glory. It's powerful. Hallelujah. There's nothing quite like it on planet Earth. Nothing that can come near it on planet earth. The word of God, amen, it's alive, it's a living, hallelujah. It's living and it's breathing, hallelujah. Glory to God. And there's nothing of any more value than the word of God. Now, if I were to ask everyone here today to try to name all the blessings in your life, Realizing it would be an impossible task for us to do. Yet, if we were to begin to make a list of all of our blessings, maybe some of us would put down families. Maybe some of you don't consider your family very much a blessing. I don't know. We won't get into that. Maybe some people will put down their, their job, their place of employment. Uh, the list would be unimaginable if we was to try to write down all of our blessings. But I wonder if we was to try to do that today, write down all of our blessings I wonder how many of us would include the Bible or the Word of God as a blessing. 
There might be a lot of things else I'll write down on my list not actually put down the Word of God. That's what I want to expound to you about, how much a blessing the Word of God is to us all. Without a show of hands, I'm not asking for a show of hands, I wonder how many of us really understand how much of a blessing it is to have the written Word of God at our fingertips. To reach for any time we decide to open its timely pages. Or do we, do we take for granted, whether intentionally or unintentionally, the blood, sweat, and tears that cost many individuals to make it possible for us to even to possess in our language a copy of God's holy word? An old, old song I remember from a child hearing him singing. There's a family Bible on the table. Its pages worn and hard to read. Anybody remember that old song? Hallelujah. Amen. Do we realize how much of a blessing it is for us to be able... If you're like me, Lord of mercy, I, there's no telling how many copies I own, uh, how many different translations that I have uh, and, uh, of, um, uh, to, to look at it. And uh, I, I, even, I, even have, I even have one when you open it up, mo- uh, many of you will look at it and say, oh, Lord mercy, what is Because I have it when I open it up and it, it, it's, it's pure Greek. Uh, because that's uh, where, what it was when it was originally written. I have a copy of the Greek uh, uh, New Testament. But it's a very precious thing to be able to possess this, to be able to have it, to our, have it at our fingertips. Let me throw out just a couple of men's name you may or may have not heard of. But... The Bible that we have today, uh, authorized by uh, King James in 1611, uh, uh, as I said in 1611, how many of us has ever thought, stopped and thought, 1611, that was 1600 years before this book was written, what did people have to go by before this one was translated? One man's name by the name of John Wycliffe. He was born in 1320, and he died in 1384. He was a theologian, and as he began to study, amen, the Word of God, he began to start or try to start a reform in the Roman Catholic Church as he realized, amen, that the Catholic Church had actually brought the whole world into darkness. Amen. All they could do at that time was depend on what the priest priest delivered to them, and nobody knew it because the priest would get up there and read out, amen, in Latin, the Latin, the Vulgate, which was a translation of the Bible at that time, and nobody sitting out there in England knew the knew the Latin language. And they had to 
They had to believe and accept what they said was a fact. John Wycliffe began to realize that they was twisting the gospel and that much of what the Catholic Church was doing, amen, was false. And he initiated the first translation of the New Testament in the English language in his lifetime and is considered the main precursor of the Protestant um, Reformation. You can, if you know where to go, you can go and order, amen, online, a copy of John Wycliffe's New Testament and, and get it, amen, and read it. Then a little bit after him was a man by the name of William Tyndale, 1494 to 1536. Another theologian and scholar, he translated the Bible in an early form of English long before King James came along. Tyndale's translation was banned. Listen to this now. They banned it. Amen. Uh, the Roman Catholic Church did. And they arrested Tyndale, put him in jail, in prison in the dungeons, and he was tortured, not given nothing, hardly anything to eat for a long time. Then finally, amen, they took him, amen, and they strangled him, and they tied him to a stake, and they lit the fire, and they burnt him alive simply because he had translated the Bible in the English language where everybody could understand. The reason why, you see, once people read their own copy of the Bible in their own language, they knew that what the Roman Catholics was teaching was heresy and it was false. That's what brought about the Reformation. Amen. And when the churches begin to come out from that great mother harlot system, hallelujah, and going right and left, hallelujah, I thank God for these men who gave their lives so you and I can have a copy of God's Word. Guess what? Going back to John Wycliffe, after this man was dead and, der uh, uh, dead and buried, Travis, the Pope, about four or five years after he died, ordered a decree. That Pope at that time says, go out there to his graveyard, dig his bones up, crush them and burn them, and we're going to scatter the ashes over the river. Why did he do that? Because that old Pope not really know what he says anyway. The man actually thought that if he could get a hold of the, the man's dead bones, crush them and burn them and scatter them, that he would keep Wycliffe never being able to take part in the resurrection. Hallelujah. This old body of mine may be buried. It may go back to ashes. It may be cremated. It don't make no difference what you do to this old house after I'm gone. We got the video here watching our old church 
Amen. As they were tearing it down. Amen. Clearing it out after that fire. Hallelujah. Amen. That church was demolished and it was destroyed. But did it destroy the church? No, sir, sir. Hallelujah. The church is strong, alive and well. Still being delivered, saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in His name. And it's the same way about your body. Your body don't mean nothing after your spirit leads it. Hallelujah. This, oh, hallelujah. Amen. That old cathedral bass singer, what was his name, sung that song? This old house. Glory to God. This old house is getting old. Amen. Hallelujah. It's letting in the wind. It's letting in the rain. But I don't care about this house. Glory to God. Hallelujah. After I'm gone, I'm going to have a mansion in the sky, a glorified body. Woo. When that old pope is resurrected to stand before judgment, he's going to see John Wycliffe, and he's going to do this number. What are you doing here? I thought we destroyed your body. Hallelujah. See, he didn't even know the Word of God. What Apostle Paul said, the body that is planted is not the body that shall be. <laughs> oh, glory. Hallelujah. My, 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 my. Getting back to the Word of God. The Word of God, although it's transcribed and translated by human hands, it is not a product of human thought or invention. Hallelujah. I said even though the Word of God has been transcribed, translated by human hands, does not mean that it's a product of human thought and process. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21 says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Isaiah spoke after he was moved by the Holy Ghost. And we have the book of Isaiah. Jeremiah spoke by the Holy Ghost. And it was written. And we got the book of Jeremiah. And on and on and on. Second Timothy chapter 3 verses 16 and 17. The book says all Scripture. Everybody say all Scripture. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The Word of God all Scripture. I'm trying to let you feel about the Word of God like I do today. It's precious. It's, precious, it's special. Hallelujah. What I hold in my hands was inspired. Inspired by God. Even though human hands penned it. 
Yet God worked through those hands. It wasn't the human mind. It was the mind of God. And if you look that word inspired up, amen, in the Greek, and it actually means God breathed. God breathed onto this book to give us what we have here today, our manual, hallelujah, our manual, amen, something that we can live by, something that you don't have to dread dying by. Cool. I feel the Spirit of God moving today. In working, in working for the Department of Transportation for the Metropolitan Davidson County School System as a bus driver, there are many guidelines and requirements that we must follow which are laid out by the district, which are intended for the safe and timely transportation of students to and from school. These guidelines are for the protection of students, drivers, and even the school district in the event of a lawsuit of some kind. All these things are compiled in a driver's manual. I would have brought mine if I knew Friday I was going to be preaching this message, but like I said, I didn't even get the thought of this message till last night and didn't, didn't get it delivered to me till this morning. But, but in any event, there's a driver's manual, which is to be, they tell us, in our possession at all times. School bus drivers can have disciplinary actions taken to, uh, uh, at them up to, including, uh, 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 being fired by simply not having your driver's manual with you on that school bus. Because the guidelines are so important, and we've got so many people out here running around in Metro that when they see yellow, they don't actually see yellow, they see dollar signs. You know, ah, Lord to God. I have people sometimes get on my get on my bumper and ride my bumper so close they they just waiting on me for stop fast so they can hit me. You know. But we're to keep this driver's manual. And we are constantly being reminded by the director of transportation and by also our field supervisors that they tell us. You are responsible for the manual and the things which are written therein. You're responsible. Sometimes a driver will ask a supervisor a question. And that, that, that supervisor will not respond by making only... A, will only make one statement. Have you read your driver's manual? If I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times. Have you read your driver's manual? If something happens and something goes wrong and a driver makes a mistake, the first thing they do, they come out and they open up the driver's manual 
to a certain page, a certain paragraph, and they'll say, and they'll read that. And uh, sometimes the driver has been known to say, well, I didn't know that was in there. And they say, we're sorry, ignorance is no excuse. And there are drivers who've been fired because they did something that was against what the manual said. Everybody follow me? Now, if something earthly is so important, how important do you think this manual is? Within the pages of this book is the answer to every problem in every situation you'll ever encounter in the dash. You know what the dash is? Go out to a cemetery and start looking at tombstones. You see a, a birth date and a dash and a death date. The dash is where we're all at right here, right now. The dash is where you're at right now. You look at a tombstone, you see the date of birth, dash, date of death. It's going to judge you a judgment. Everything takes place during that dash. Oh, God, I didn't know. He's just liable to look at you and say, Somebody might say, but my pastor didn't preach that. He'll say, did you read the manual? You are responsible for everything that is in this book, whether or not I ever preach a word of it or not. Oh, hallelujah. God has entrusted this to you. Now, we're in a day and age where people are trying to change customs and try to change times and laws that has been set down for centuries upon centuries. Sometimes I open the pages of this manual and I read something that bunks against my dash, my life where I'm living. Oh, but you know, everybody is doing this way and people are changing and everybody don't preach that. Well, Lord have mercy. I have watched Joel Osteen and I have never heard him say one thing that you're saying. It's true. He's not saying a lot of stuff that's in here. But guess what? You're going to still be responsible for it. You're still going to be responsible for it. I'm responsible for everything that's written in this book, whether or not I understand it or not, whether or not I agree with it or not. I don't have to understand it. I don't have to agree with it. Hallelujah. But you know what? I'm going to cherish it. I'm going to keep it. Brother Paul, it's been entrusted to me. People have given their lives so I could have a copy, amen, of this precious book. And you better get it down inside because if the day comes, they take it out of your possession, out of your hand. If you got it in your heart, they can't take it from your heart. 
So God's Word can also be considered a manual of guidelines and instructions on how to deal with life, death, and eternity. And we are responsible for the manual because we will be judged according to the things written in the book when this life is past. A couple things I want to try to share with you briefly, and I'm, I'm going to have to speed up to get, the, get this out. I can't finish it tonight like I did last Sunday night. We're going to have a different preacher. Hallelujah. First thing is, I want to talk about God's view of the manual. God's view of this manual. We're going to find that out by a scripture in the book of Psalms, chapter 138 and verse 2. Psalmist David wrote, a thousand years before the birth of Christ, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness. For thy truth, hallelujah. You know, the only thing David had to have to worship God for was his truth. Hallelujah. That ought to be a good enough reason for every one of us when we walk in this place, every time we come in here, to lift up our hands and be given to worship and praise God. Hallelujah. Let's finish that. He said, for thou has magnified what? What's it say? Look on the screen there, or your Bible, whatever you got. Thou has magnified thy word above all thy name. Wow. That's God's view of the manual. Now, we of the apostolic faith place great emphasis on the name of Jesus. And this we should do. And the Bible says, all thy name, not only the name of Jesus, but man, the Bible gives many names. Jehovah Jireh. The God who what? Oh, come on. Yes, provides. El Shaddai. I did a teaching of all the names uh, many years ago on Wednesday night. And so that's why he said, Thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Now, we lift up the name of Jesus, and we ought to do that because there's no greater name. The Bible teaches us that. But in the view of God Almighty, He has placed His Word above His name. Are you beginning to see now how important this book is? Because God Almighty says, although I want you to call on my name, Although God says, don't never pray a prayer without saying amen in Jesus' name because it ain't no good otherwise. Come on, somebody. There ain't no true prayer unless you say in Jesus' name. I don't care what these political correct jokers are doing. Hallelujah. It ain't a true prayer unless you say in Jesus' name. I can give you book and chapter for that if I have to. God says, I magnify my word above all my name. My, God has placed his word above his name. There is nothing greater than the word. In fact, God and the word are the same. 
They are inseparable. They're inseparable. What does the book say? In the beginning was what? The Word. The Word was with God. And the Word what? That's how come the Word is magnified greater than the name. Because the Word was revealed before the name was. Wow. You're getting some deep teaching here this morning. You're getting some meat here this morning. I just hope you appreciate what you're getting. The Word of God has three facets involved in the total makeup and how it relates to mankind. What are we talking about when we talk about the Word? First, there's the spoken Word. That's the first facet, the spoken Word. In the beginning, and God said, Let there be light. Hallelujah. Ah, uh, uh, Pastor Pruitt, I've studied uh, scientific things, and uh, I'm interested in physics and, and all that, and I'm inclined to believe, and I'm persuaded about the Big Bang Theory. Yeah. I told one guy one time, I said, oh, man, all right. I says, I believe that too. I thought you, I thought you was one of them uh, uh, holy roller preachers. What do you mean you believe that too? I said, because I believe God spoke and bang, it happened. <laughs> Hallelujah. Lord, hey, it is. Hey, that's on the bulletin. I, I stole that. You know, give, clap hands for Sister Darlene. She put that on the back of the bulletin. Look on the back of your bulletin. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm, I, I'm gonna have, if I don't give her credit, I'll pay for it later. If Mama's happy, everybody's happy. If Mama ain't happy, you better look out. <laughs> Hallelujah. So... <laughs> Brother, brother Trev, <laughs> hallelujah. Listen, brother, I, I'm not quite like Brother Swan. I, I, I can't laugh like that and keep preaching on the anointing. Brother Swan can. That's hard for me to do. Hallelujah. <laughs> the spoken word, and God said. Then there's the living word. Who's the living word? And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the living Word. Then the third aspect or the third facet of God's Word is the written Word. And we've already read the Scripture where it said, All Scripture given by the inspiration of God. That is what God that's what his view of the manual is. Now, I'm going to go on to one final point before I close. Please bear with me. Give me just a few minutes more. Hallelujah. And I will promise I will let you go before you get in the shape of that poor duck. Hallelujah. 
The written word is our manual. And we are responsible, listen to me, to respect, to honor, to read, and to obey its precepts because we shall be judged by its contents when this world is past and gone. Everything you're looking at is going to be over one day. This beautiful building is going to be non-existent. The day is going to come. But the book says, Thy word is forever settled in heaven. The second thing I want to talk to you about our manual is overcoming power of the manual. I hold this dear because this right here, this manual, this manual is going is to give me guidance and overcoming power that I can get through this mess to the blessing. Back when I used to be an auto technician and I worked, don't hold this against me, God, I worked, I worked for Chrysler Corporation as a technician for a while. Well, and <laughs> sometimes, th- a lot of times things come in and things would be obvious because you have dealt with them before and you automatically kind of know where to go to. But sometimes I would have to go and look up some schematics. Travis deals with that, I'm sure, quite a bit in his, uh, in his profession. And you have to take time. That's, that's why a lot of people don't understand. Some people getting mic- messed up paying for labor. Sometimes they think labor's a little bit too high. I'm gonna t- it, it takes some time searching through schematics and reading down things coming from the from the manufacturer and things that you've got to do to and also to have a little bit of training to know how to read that stuff. Amen. I mean it's that's you know, as as I heard one mechanic that worked with me one time, a guy was really complaining about the, uh 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 about the cost of the labor and he told the fellow, he said, Well sir, he said, in all due respect he said, you're not only paying for what my hands do, he said, you're paying for what my mind knows. He said, if you knew how to do it, you would have done it in the first place and wouldn't have brought it to me. Well, hallelujah. This right here is some schematics. It's a manual. Every problem that I come against, I'm going to be able to find it if I search for it. It may take some time. It may take some prayer. It may take getting out of my mind into the Holy Ghost. But it's there. It's there. There's one little, there's one little chorus that the church used to sing. We don't sing it around here. I'm going to tell you why we don't sing it. Because... I don't, I, don't want, I don't want you attached to the curse of it. Sometimes we make comments that we really don't realize what we're saying. And I realize people mean good, but sometimes we don't really realize. But there's a little, uh, 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 it, it was a little saying, and then they turned it into a chorus and began to sing it. And, said, and, they, and sometimes they tell people, and I'm sure they mean well in what they do. I'm not, I'm not taking that away. But be careful. 
don't, don't, don't go around claiming, don't walk around your house claiming every promise in the book is mine, every chapter, every verse in line. I, I promise you, you don't want every promise that's in this book. There's some promises in this book I don't want, I don't, I don't want to have nothing to do with. Hallelujah. We've been, we've been covering some of those prophecies, promises and revelation on Wednesday night. Hallelujah. Those, those seven trumpets or seven promises that's going to happen to you. Do, you. do you want those promises? Huh? No. Uh-uh. There's some promises here. that There's promises here that's, that's just not good promises to the believer, but there's promises to the, to the wicked. So don't claim all the promise in the book. We have to write, that's where we got to write and divide the word of truth. Now, there's overcoming power. Psalms 119 and 11. What's it say? Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not, what? There used to be a popular saying which many of the old-time saints took great stock in. In fact, I, uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Darlene's mom gave her a Bible one time and she had it printed on the cover of the inside of the Bible. And that, 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 old, that old saying that a lot of the old saints took stock in, stock in said, this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. There's a lot of truth in that. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. If you will use this as a manual, it will help you gain overcoming power all of those bad habits that you've built up all those years in your life before you try to live for God. It will help you, amen, defeat, amen, the chains and the bondages that the devil puts on people in their life. The answer to all those things is right here in the manuals, in the schematics. All you've got to do is study it out. Hallelujah. The Word of God is a good manual to help us to learn how to be overcomers in this dark, lost, sin-infested world. One more scripture, and I'm closing. In the book of James, chapter 1, verses 21 through 25. Brother Darrell, you can go ahead and be coming up and getting ready to do a course if you uh, would, please, sir, because I'm going to read these few scriptures and I'm going to close. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. And this right here, by the way, was one of our founders, uh, special scriptures. Brother Hale always had a handful of sermons, and he would usually do a circle. He'd go back, and I've read this for him many times. Brother Hale would always have somebody open up the Bible and read for him. And you'd have to, you'd sit there because you knew he was going to repeat, and you're trying to make sure you'd get in time and what he's doing. And I'd read, 
Wherefore lay apart? Brother Hill Hill said, Wherefore lay apart? And I I start to say off, and he's already off on another. And I had to hush. Hallelujah. Lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. I don't have time to explain to you what all that means. And receive with meekness the engrafted word. Here we go. Here's what we're going for. Receive with meekness the engrafted word, this manual, which is able to save your souls. But now here's the key. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. That means a mirror. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. My, my, my. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continue therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in all his deeds. Wow. Hallelujah. I hope and I pray that you leave here today with a little bit more respect for this book. That you understand a little bit more the importance because listen, folks. Don't ever think the church can't go on without Brother Sammy. Church is going to go on whether Brother Sammy is here or not. I'm replaceable. This book's not replaceable. You hear what I'm saying? It's not replaceable. A lot of people are trying to replace it. A lot of these translations they're coming up with today are trying to cut out a whole lot of it. But I don't want no plagues added to me. 